0: being a a young woman at 18 and interviewing these men yeah shit is gonna happen hip-hop hustle
1: podcast man you heard it here first he's not playing no aaron's not playing no fucking game You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the
0: intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up, man?
1: Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Uh, Super excited about this one because uh, it's my first guest from Germany, which I absolutely love. I love that we're we're taking over the globe. Hip Hop is taking over the globe, but it's the amazing Vanya of IStillLoveHer.de. I hopefully didn't stuff up the name. We did talk about it before we started the show. Um, But for anyone who hasn't checked her out, she's an awesome DJ um, who is just absolutely obsessed with hip-hop, also does music promotions, worked with people like Planet Asia, the Snow Goons, uh, Mellow Music Group, just to name a few, Um, and an Aussie as well, uh, DJ Nino Brown. So I had to throw the Aussie in there, but it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome. So it's so interesting because You know, I've seen what you do on Instagram and people talk about, you know, how you got into hip hop and I always find it weird because I'm in Australia, you're in Germany, hip hop originated in the US and here we are talking about it. Do you ever find it strange that we're in a position now to even be able to discuss a genre that has such interesting roots?
0: Yeah, it definitely is. Um... A bit strange I'm very appreciative and very thankful that I am even allowed to the space to share my love for hip-hop and to talk about it Um, because that's definitely not a, a given you know it's not an automatic given so I'm very appreciative of that
1: yeah I feel like it's because for me personally it's like I know that All I can do is continue to learn about it because I didn't grow up with it. You know, like I didn't grow up listening to it in the sense of like my parents would never have listened to hip hop. So it was literally something that I found and my friends didn't listen to hip hop either. So it's literally one of these things where you just discover it. And then the more you listen, the more you do your research on it, the more amazing it is.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like for me, it's the same thing. My parents never listened to hip hop. Um, my older brother, I did steal like an album from him, but he generally wasn't into hip hop. It just happened to be like one rap album that he owned. Um, and I heard my first hip hop song that I fell in love with when I was five. So there was no one there to influence me in that way. And also... At that time, I mean, hip-hop had already arrived in Germany, but at five years old, you're not going to the club. So, <laughs> I'd hope not. <laughs> yeah, that would be very bad parenting.
1: <laughs> so do you remember the feeling? Because, like, I don't remember anything when I was five. I'm not going to lie. Like, I everyone talks <laughs> to me about, like, their, their first memory, and I have no idea what my first memory is, but do you remember the feeling at five, like, it must be kind of surreal in a way.
0: No, I wouldn't say I remember the feeling. I just know what happened. Like I know that there was this song like I would always listen to my parents' radio. Um and there was a song that I just really really loved and so I would tape songs that I liked off the radio onto cassette tapes. And that one song I would like I just know that I listened to it so many times. And but I don't remember the feeling. I wish I I wish I did. but I know how that song still makes me feel today. so I would assume that it's a bit similar to that.
1: Yeah, just maybe a little bit softer. Like I don't know because because it, it must have just blown your mind as a kid. Like it, it would have just captured your imagination like this isn't something I've never heard before.
0: Probably, but I feel like kids probably also don't think that far. It's probably just you hear something or you see something and you just know that you like it. You
1: yeah, know? I guess. But have you seen like those videos of kids eating pizza for the first time and their faces <laughs> like they're like, Oh my god, this it's heavenly. That's I feel like that could have been you is like maybe <laughs> not in the same look, but like maybe it could have been the same experience of like this sound, this melody. It's always I mean, let's be honest, it's sound when you're a kid.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, I would love to see that that moment. I would love to watch it from the outside. But, you know, we didn't have um, cell phones, so there's no footage.
1: <laughs> and I'm sure your parents wouldn't have been, like, like, showing her her first hip-hop song, Capture It. No. No, <laughs> absolutely
0: not. <laughs> they had no idea what what they had coming
1: no idea how did they react like obviously at five they don't know but like as you're getting older you're listening to more albums I'm sure you're talking about it a lot um did they have a reaction or did they have like a perception of what they thought
0: I mean they didn't really like hip-hop much but my parents generally aren't really into music which is very strange to me. I cannot relate to that at all, (laughs) but um, I don't know. I think I had a phase when I was a teenager where I was listening to a lot of more aggressive type rap. Uh, But then also like, I have this distinct memory of um, being in the car with my parents and I was in the backseat and I had headphones and and I was listening on my Discman. I was listening to uh, to D12, I Shit On You. And, <laughs> and I was rapping along, like I was rapping the chorus along. And my mom was so appalled. She's like, why are you listening to this? This is so, this is terrible. Like, it's so, yeah, She she did not like that. So generally, they never really understood um and I think they still don't understand like they know that I've made a whole like my whole life is centered around hip hop but I don't think they would ever really understand.
1: Well, if it makes you feel better, my parents certainly don't understand. Um <laughs> and I still try show my mom lyrics or not lyrics songs <laughs> that I'm like okay listen to this maybe this and I can I already know before she listens which song she's not going to like it's she doesn't listen to the lyrics. It's all melody and it's all sound. And as soon as she hears fuck or bitch, she's out, (laughs) she's, she's out straight away. So I kind of know that, um, she's like, there's no meaning in it. And I'm like, no, no, you got to listen to it. It's just not in the meaning in the way you're used to it being presented. So, um, yeah, I think that's a a battle that unfortunately I'm never going to win, but, uh, she she accepts it now she used to think it was a phase that I was just you know growing up it was my rebellious streak um yeah. obviously that rebellious streak has continued into a lifetime so
0: <laughs> no I've entirely given up on trying to show her music like I know that's never gonna do anything so I'm fine with that
1: <laughs> was it was it strange like making the jump into making this your career like did because I mean I'm sure you spoke about it with your parents in terms of like you know I'm gonna pursue music I'm gonna pursue hip-hop was that like a a difficult period of like you know what I am gonna go at this full time
0: I don't really remember if it was really if the talk really was about it being hip-hop I think They had more of a hard time. They just didn't understand what I was doing. Like my mom always used to tell me like, yeah, you were just always in your room on your computer all day. Like I didn't understand what you were doing there. So it wasn't really about the hip hop thing. It was, I think for them, it was kind of scary, right? Because um, as a young person, as a young adult, you're supposed to like kind of, start your professional life and find your way and i think to them they just didn't see a future in that so they they didn't take it seriously they didn't think that could be a real job um yeah so i think they thought i was just wasting my time on the internet
1: i'm sure now they they see differently cuz it's so it's interesting cuz i remember growing up and everyone talking about the same thing Go to mm-hmm. school, get an education, go to university, yeah. get a job, make money, buy a house, get married, have kids. That's like your life's work. And now we're seeing um, that making money is not reliant on school. You can make yeah. money in so many different ways and the content creator is essentially the new movie star in a way. Like the the self-made content creator is the person who's able to really rise and essentially – jump out of the the position they were in before. So it's, it is a really interesting move, especially with like the different ways we can make money now as opposed to before it was like be a lawyer or be a doctor and that was it.
0: Yeah. But I don't think that, um, I mean, my parents are now like in their 70s. So they don't really, I don't think they can grasp that the world has changed so much. I don't think they see that because it's not like they're hanging around on social media. Um, I mean, they don't have Instagram, so they have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> they, they don't know. Um, but the, the, the shift kind of happened when I moved to Berlin because I'm not originally from Berlin. And so when I moved to Berlin, um, I think My mother, for the first time, saw that, no, I've built something sustainable uh, where I'm fully supporting myself and making these moves. And that was the first time she accepted it as something real.
1: How was it, like, on your come up in Germany, um, you know, being in the space? Like, I imagine that's not the easiest journey to be on.
0: What do you mean exactly?
1: Like, you know, being German, being female, being in a male-dominated industry, not being from the place where the culture originates from, like was it difficult to find your place within it in terms of when you decide to make that like, all right, this is what I want to do, this is how I start to get my name out there and then fight, fighting obstacles or, or finding obstacles along the way?
0: I think... Um being a woman was more of an obstacle than being German or being white. Um, because, like, coming up in the German hip-hop scene, you know, the part of being German and being white wasn't, that wasn't anything unusual. Uh, because all these hip-hop heads, where I'm from, uh, like, in my hometown, every show I would go to, it's all white kids, right? Right. It's all German kids. Um, But being a girl at that time, that definitely was a bigger issue. Like just, um, I just wouldn't, like they wouldn't take me seriously. Or if I go to a show, they would think I'm a groupie. I'm just there to sleep with the artists or whatever. And um, so you're constantly being underestimated and also asked to like prove that you're really a hip hop head, which gets really annoying, kind of wears you down at some point. Um, but yeah. And then I think internationally, I found my place through MySpace. Like MySpace was where everything started for me. Like that's also my MySpace page. Um, that's where the name Ice the Lover started because that was the name of my page there. And MySpace was so different than social media nowadays. It was so organic connecting with people from all over the world. So I connected with a lot of people from the U.S., um, also artists from the U.S., independent artists from the U.S., um, just hip-hop heads. And we just had the best time sharing this love for the culture. And during that time, I don't think I ever felt like me being foreign was an issue at all. Uh, I mean, later on it became more of a thing and it still is now. Um, But on the other hand, the sexism part of it, um, that has gotten better, but I think it's because I have made a name for myself. And people respect me and respect what I do. Um, Which is sad because you shouldn't have to build like such a big thing to get respect um, and not be disrespected for being a woman in this. Uh, But yeah, it has kind of shifted. The the obstacles have shifted a bit.
1: It is interesting because I think hip hop is... Such a competitive genre as well that Mm -hmm. everyone is almost like you have to prove yourself. Like, that's what I see with young artists is like everyone's testing them. Everyone's like, no, you got to prove yourself on the mic. You got to be able to spit bars. You got to go head to head with artists. And I think it is an extremely competitive environment, not to mention the roots of it don't come from, you know extreme well, they come from people trying to express themselves and, and fighting against, you know, what what is oppression. So it's like I can understand the challenges in terms of the roots of it and then, you know, everyone's just trying to make their way through and it's still such a young genre of music. Like we all forget that it's hasn't been around for that long. So in terms yeah. of, you know, the originators of hip-hop, if they didn't pass away, they didn't die because of old age. Mm-hmm. like. They yeah. still. They're, most of them are still around. So we haven't even seen that evolution in hip-hop and we see a lot of the greats still rap right now. So it's like a really interesting time to be in hip-hop where we've got like really young people on the come-up and then we've also got some of the old heads who are coming back and still making their voices heard. Yeah, 100%. I'm interested but to I you think- know. Oh, please. Yeah.
0: No, I think, I mean, Definitely hip hop has always been a very competitive culture, but you know, it's also like, because the people in the culture just like hold it to such high regard, right? Like it means so much that we expect people to prove that they, that they deserve a spot. Like we want people to earn their spot because it means so much. And but that also has gotten lost a bit, you know, because also, you know, the the culture has shifted, which is also okay because that's just what happens with evolution over time. Um, But yeah, I definitely I do think that while hip hop is a place where everyone kind of has to prove themselves, I do think that women are asked to prove themselves more like unnecessarily.
1: I agree. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. I mean, you look at how challenging it was for a lot of artists. I mean, Lauren Hill, probably the most influential female artist and one of the pioneers in terms of what she did for female hip-hop artists. She's spoken about how tough it was being a woman and, you know, trying to – Contain her female identity without being a sex object while also, you know, being a mother and like, and so, like, it is that added level of like, it's not easy. And then it's just like doubled upon. So, I mean, we see obviously now it's heading in the right direction more female artists than ever before, um, more female artists doing different things as well. It's not just sex appeal. It's also, you know, you've got the female artists doing grimy hip hop. So I think the more we get to that place, the better it'll become.
0: Yeah, it just needs to be more and more normalized to see women doing these things. And that's in all areas, right? That's in DJing, MCing, um, B-girls, B graffiti. Like it's in all these different things that just needs to be normalized.
1: I mean, I feel like it is. It's it's slow. I think that's what we're all seeing, though. It's like heading in the right direction, but it just is quite slow. Um, and also, you know, the the challenge is that you want women to be able to see that that's a legitimate option. So that mm-hmm. still takes time. Of like, okay, you see more female artists, but then that influence needs to take time in the next generation. Of like, okay, I can aspire to be those people. Like, and I, the same analogy is like female sport you know only in the past 20 years did we see a huge shift in female sport so mm-hmm. i think it like it it does take time and the more conversations obviously we have and the more female artists there are the better it'll become and honestly there is literally zero difference between the skill set that a female artist can provide and a male artist provide it makes zero difference
0: 100% but it's so interesting because still to this day Um, female rap artists are constantly being accused of having ghostwriters like anytime I post um, I post a female rapper there's always comments every time like clockwork there's comments like oh wonder who wrote this for her and I'm like what I don't understand like why would you think that a person just because they are a woman isn't capable of writing lyrics like that. It makes no sense to me. Like you have female poets, you have female writers that write books, literature, like why wouldn't a woman be able to write rap lyrics? It's so, it's so weird. It's so backwards.
1: Do you find it overwhelmingly when you post female artists? Cause I know, cause I mean, for people to pretend that there are male artists who don't have ghost writers is crazy. Because right. I've spoken about this on this show so many times, but like you get to a level where like it's impossible to write your own lyrics, be as famous as you are, have the media commitments that you have. Like they all have teams. They just do when you get to that level. Like I think maybe Kendrick probably doesn't have those types of people, but You know, Kanye obviously has had, Drake has had people write for him. Like, they all do. It's not possible to get to where they're at without it.
0: Yeah, but that's true. I agree. Um, However, I think, like, if I post a, a female rapper, it always happens. It's always those comments. If I post a male rapper, unless it's Drake, Drake is probably the only one where people will always be like, oh, who wrote this for him? But other than that, I rarely have these comments.
1: So that's so what I find interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was my question. So it is overwhelmingly only when you post female artists.
0: A hundred percent.
1: But I, so here's what I wonder. I wonder if they would care if it was their favourite artist because I have a feeling they wouldn't care at all, the fans. Um.
0: I, th- I think it depends. I think some people care. I think some people are disappointed. Like, I think if someone goes into it, like with Drake, for example, it is wildly known now, you know, that he has ghostwriters. So I think in that case, if you are a fan of Drake, you're probably cool with it. You don't really care. Um, but I mean, even this, even rappers in the 90s had ghostwriters, right? And But it wasn't so known back then. And I do find that there's people who, when something like that comes out, like this was written by somebody else, because we're hearing more and more stories now where people openly talk about, oh, I wrote that verse for this person, whatever. Um, I do see people being very disappointed with that. Yeah, so see,
1: I'm in both. Think- I've got like a foot in both camps. Like I like the idea of a traditionalist of like the artist writes their own shit and and does it all. But at the same time, I also know like sometimes it's unrealistic to have an artist yeah. write everything because they're only human.
0: Yeah. And I think it also depends on the kind of song, right? Like if it's, if a song sounds super personal and super deep, then yeah, I expect the artist to have written that song or at least partially written it but if it's like a party song like who gives a fuck honestly you know so i think it depends on the kind of music
1: yeah i agree and i and it also depends on the skill sets and because i like you got to think songwriters or ghost writers they may not be comfortable performing or their skill set may not be in performing so you actually yeah. employ more people by doing it and you give them an opportunity to make the art better. It's the same with like, you know, engineers, producers. Do you expect the rapper to make their own beat as well? No, no one cares that the producer and the engineer makes them sound better because it's not expected in the skill, in the skill set. The more people that are involved, the, the better it likely is. So it's just a strange thing. And I think it just goes back to the roots again of like, the MC writing their own stuff. Yeah. Um, But it's obviously changed significantly and the skill set and the, like the type of lyrics that they can come up with now are completely different to where hip hop started with.
0: Yeah. And I think there are also artists who are like really, for example, there there are some rappers who are really great at freestyling, right? Like, but those same artists might not be good at making songs, you know, like, or making albums. And yeah, like you said, there could be an artist who is amazing at writing lyrics, but maybe they don't have, maybe they don't even enjoy being on stage, you know, or they don't have that thing that is going to make someone blow up. Um, And the person who has that star power might not have the, the skill set to to write an amazing song or write a hit song because writing hit songs versus writing album tracks is a very big difference also.
1: Well, look at someone like Eazy-E.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He never wrote his own stuff. He always had ghostwriters writing for him, but he had a unique voice. And so they were like, your voice is something that we can use to make us better and bigger. So that's like a perfect example of like, oh, you bring a different skill to the table and it's a presence, it's a voice, it's not actual writing. And everybody else wrote for him and everyone was like, cool. Dr. Dre never wrote his own stuff. Yeah, he made the beats, but like he also has an amazing voice. So it's like this thing of sometimes we just pick and choose when it's okay and it's not okay. I think it just depends on the artists themselves. I think sometimes the image is shattered. Like if Biggie, if someone said to me, Biggie didn't write his own lyrics, it would shatter the image that I have of Biggie or someone like Big Pun. Um, Or Black. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd cry, honestly, if I found that out. But I also low-key suspect that, you know, they have people there in the studio with them. Like they're not alone. They have others collaborating with them. Yeah,
0: it's, it's very possible.
1: Well, we'll leave that before we dive down a rabbit hole and people start messaging and going, "No, no, no." <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, there might be some clips going around. I don't know.
1: Yeah, actually, I don't mind it. Comment, let us know what you think. I always like a little bit of controversy. So um, maybe, maybe I should just say it. Fl- I won't say it flat out because I know it's just not true. But um, I'm just rambling now. But. What I did want to ask you about was, and I saw a small interview, and I'm sure people have asked you this before, but I just can't help myself. You spoke to DJ Premier. DJ Premier is one of my (laughs) favourite, if not my favourite producer of all time. I'm sure you get thousands of these questions, but like how was it speaking to him? Like I saw the interview, it was like four minutes, I think, from memory. Um, Yeah, it was
0: very long ago too. Yeah, I think
1: 2013 maybe.
0: Maybe. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, the thing was that I I wasn't prepared for the interview at all because it it all happened coincidentally. Like uh, I wasn't living in Berlin yet, Um, but I happened to be in Berlin because I was a company. um, I was with an artist who was touring. Um and I was handling I don't remember what I was handling for him. I think I did some bookings for him or something. So we're in Berlin and I see online that Primo is DJing at a club in Berlin and I'm like oh shit like how dope would it be and I don't really do interviews anymore but at the time I was doing interviews still And I was like, how dope would it be to to get a Primo interview? So I just kind of hit up some contacts of mine. I was like, who do I contact? And they put me in touch with this manager. And I sent the manager an email. I'm like, hey, I'm in town. Is there any chance? And he was like, yeah, if you can be at the venue while they're doing sound check in an hour from now, then yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> i had to get ready super super fast i took a taxi to um which i never take taxis so that was unusual uh, i took a taxi to the venue um he was doing sound check, and then we just sat down it was so dark down there that's why i had to put this little flashlight on him and i felt so bad because it was like right in his face and i was like oh my god this is so bad and Obviously, I didn't have time to prepare for the interview, so I didn't really have questions prepared. So I just, I was just winging it, and um that's not ideal when you get to talk to a legend <laughs> like Primo. Well,
1: it's it's my style, so
0: yeah, I, I like I mean, it. But <laughs> I wish I could have prepared more for that, but. It is what it is. I also believe, like, when an opportunity presents itself, you just have to take it, you know, you'll figure it out. Um, And, yeah, but I honestly barely remember. I don't even know what we talked about in that interview. I don't remember any of that. I just remember being down there in this basement club with him, and that's it.
1: So I think I would have the same experience as you as, like, not. I wouldn't be able to speak. It doesn't matter what I've prepared. It doesn't matter what's happened. I would just be like, this is a dream come true. Like literally it would just be like, yeah, literally I would be like, well, uh, I couldn't speak for 45 minutes, so he's just going to have to lead the interview. But like I can – so I can understand why, you know, it just – comes out especially because it's whirlwind they're like here's it you got an hour let's go you got to get your shit together you're there you speak to him he's gone by the time it's done you're like did that even happen
0: yeah
1: (laughs) like i've got the
0: footage yeah that's also why i barely remember it because everything happens so fast and i'm pretty sure he doesn't remember it like he follows me now he's he started following me like i think a couple years ago i'm not sure but I I highly doubt that he remembers that that moment ever happened. But I know it happened, so that's nice. Well, <laughs>
1: this is our opportunity, Primo. If it did, if you remember, <laughs> let us know because, that. I mean, <laughs> I feel like everyone would mob to him, like everyone. <laughs> everyone in hip-hop or who loves hip-hop is like, you know, he's, he's goaded in that sense. So um, that's my fear with getting bigger is like I speak to artists that, I have always loved, and then I just absolutely fumble. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it it happens. It happens, and then you get over it, I guess. Yeah. I think.
1: I, I think you do. But how is it working with so many great artists yourself? Because, you know, we were talking about, you know, you come up, and we're talking about, you know, all these moments, but now, you know, you've got a business, you – Are successful you've got a a name and and people come to you for assistance in terms of their careers like how does it feel to be where you're currently at?
0: Uh, Very surreal it's just I mean look I've been doing this for so long now I started my business in I don't even know if it was 2000 I think it was 2006 and that's a very long time So I'm used to it now. Like, it's just my everyday life, right? So you're just, you're doing these things every day and it's just like normal. But then sometimes I have these moments where I'm like, wait a minute, what the fuck is my life? This is so weird. (laughs) And um, especially with Instagram, right? Like, because the Instagram, I think, the Instagram blowing up as much as it has, that happened over the past two years, I would say. I mean, before that, I already had a very decent following, but the way it has blown up now, that that, that was the last two years. And there are many moments where like, people follow me who I've been fan, a fan of for so many years. And it's just like, it's very, very strange. It's amazing, but it's also very strange because sometimes I take a moment and I think back to like 15-year-old me, like sitting in class writing lyrics on a piece of paper and ignoring my teachers. And I'm like, if I had, if I could go back and tell her this is what your life is gonna be, she would have never believed me. Um So it's very strange, but it's also amazing, and I'm just so grateful that I get to do this and that I'm in the position that I'm in because at the end of the day, my only dream was to just be surrounded by hip-hop all day, every day, and that's exactly what my life is. So pretty amazing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I agree. And it's crazy to think that you started your business in, did you say, 2006?
0: I, I think so. It was 2006 or around that time, yeah.
1: And I first heard hip-hop in 2003. So, wow. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. I think I got a head start. <laughs> you, got a, you got a
1: huge head start. But, you know, I always say, like, if it's not for people like you, it's, if it's not for people who, you know, pioneers and people who take the leap, and who really make it their career, then, you know, for people like me, we don't have that real opportunity. Um, Like I, again, if I could tell, you know, 15-year-old me that I'd be interviewing and speaking to hip-hop artists and people in the hip-hop industry and that I'd make it to 100 episodes plus, that I wouldn't believe it. Like there are people, like I know you're a big fan of Jay Dilla. I interviewed Illa Jay, his brother um so like even for me it was like oh my god like I can I can touch greatness in a way um and it's just it's just so cool to me that so many hip-hop artists I know like you know what what the stereotype of a hip-hop artist is is like hard-headed stubborn rough but they're all so giving with their time and they're all so genuine. Well, I say all, but most of them, everyone that I've spoken to literally is, is just so giving and willing to talk about their experience. And And I've had artists who are like, all right, you got an hour and it turns to an hour and a half because they just get into it and, th- and they like talking about it. So um, it is amazing to see that a lot of these artists don't, live up to the to the hype in terms of the name that they have or the the image they're just like good people.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, you say <laughs> you said yeah, and now that forces me to ask the next question. Have you had any horror stories?
0: I I mean, I've definitely made had bad experiences. I would never go on record and name names because the I just I don't want to do that but there's definitely situations but I think that's also because I am a woman and especially when I was um in my interviewing phase like I was interviewing artists when I was 18 like for several years like that was way like that came before my business was interviewing artists and I had a podcast back then and being a a young woman at 18 and interviewing these men, yeah, shit is gonna happen. So there were definitely some unpleasant um experiences or just experiences with, with people where they just turn out to be assholes, you know, or just rude and disrespectful. And that is, you know, it's disappointing, but I guess at the end of the day, it's just. You know, everyone is just like, it's just human, right? So you're going to have shitty people and you're going to have great people. And that's just life. That's just everywhere.
1: My, my only real question is, how did you keep coming back though? Like, you know, you're 18, you're young, artists you want to speak to, they turn out to be assholes. How do you keep doing it? Because I think there would be a point where you're like, you're like, no, fuck this. It's not worth it
0: well because it wasn't all bad experiences right like i would say the majority were good experiences you know if it was only bad then yeah probably would have stopped um like stopped interviewing artists but the majority was good experiences so the ones that were bad it was like okay whatever, you know, like you also in real life have bad experiences and you don't just stop living, you know. Um, And then also, like, it's, the you know, the love for hip-hop always kept me going, like no matter what. Like that was my only focus, really.
1: So why did you stop podcasting or interviewing in the end?
0: Um, It's just... I don't know my focus just went elsewhere like I just didn't yeah it was literally a focus shift and I'm a person like it's hard for me to stay with one thing for a long time like I kind of always switch at one point um because I get bored easily so I think at some point the interviewing was just like okay I've done that now I want to do something else and that was it like I'm not opposed to it um if I had the opportunity to to interview someone that I find really really interesting then I would still do it um but it's just not where my focus is nowadays
1: do you remember how many episodes you recorded or how many people you interviewed
0: I have no idea because I also, I did the interviews for a different format. So in the very beginning, it was, they were in, no, in the very beginning, I'm trying to remember if the very first ones were written or if I used the audio. Um, because I I had a blog on MySpace. I don't know if you remember MySpace. Like
1: uh, my my friends had MySpace, and I never got a <laughs> MySpace. They were always going, "You should get a MySpace." I'm, I'm you are missing I'm, out. I'm I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm still stubborn right now. But like out of a stubborn, I have no idea. A stubborn kind of misguided annoyance for (laughs) how much people loved it I was like you know what I'm not going to jump on it I'm going to be the guy without MySpace and then Facebook hit and I was like I am on that shit immediately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) MySpace was so much better than everything that's out now but yeah MySpace had a um, had a blog option It basically you could just like on your profile you could have like a blog where you could just write shit. And so I was using that, and Talib Kwali was a follower of my blog, one of my, maybe I had like 80 followers, and Talib was one of them, and it was it blew my mind. I was like, what? This is crazy. Um, but so for, for the MySpace blog, I think I did it, and um, I would type out the interviews in the very beginning, and then I started, I was like, why don't I just use the audio? And put some music to it also, and then just post it as a podcast. And also at that time, they were podcasting was a very new thing. Like it wasn't very popular then. Um, Yeah, and then I would upload. There was like some websites where you could upload podcasts, but it was just audio. And I would share that on MySpace. So I have no idea how many interviews I've done. It was quite a lot. And I've interviewed like some really like I interviewed the Sugar Hill gang once and Curtis Blow in the same night. That was very exciting. Um I have no idea.
1: Did you ever in speak my, to Talib?
0: Um, no, I haven't interviewed, like I've met him, but I haven't interviewed Talib, no.
1: I think meeting him is still pretty bloody cool, to be honest.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe one day there will be an opportunity. I don't know because he follows me now. Um, again, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he knows that he used to follow my, my space Probably not. Um, but maybe. yeah, we'll. See.
1: He might know. Those types of people, that. those types of people, they I feel like they have good memories in terms of all the shit that they follow. Maybe it's not at the no, front right. of his mind. Maybe he's not gonna be like, Yeah, 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 I remember following you on MySpace, but maybe like if you had a conversation, he'd remember.
0: Uh no, but I actually asked him. Um I saw him at a festival Black Star were performing. This was like, I don't know, five years ago or so. And I saw him backstage. And we started having a conversation. I was like, "You know, you actually um, used to follow my blog back on MySpace, but he had no recollection of it." <laughs> so I was like, ah, "It's okay, I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I understand."
1: <laughs> but I mean, you've got some cool followers now, so it's like,
0: oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> y'all,
1: y'all know me now, so I mean, yeah. If I could steal some of your big followers, I think I'd, <laughs> I'd uh, talk about it for forever. I'd be like, nah, uh, "Do you know who follows me? If if <laughs> Kanye followed me, I'd be like, guys, it's official."
0: I do bring, I, I bring up the J. Cole follow sometimes, but it feels very like it feels so braggy. So I try not to do that unless the conversation allows it because otherwise I feel like a total asshole. I'm just like, hi, J. Cole follows me. Like, that's it's weird. a good thing
1: you didn't bring it up on a podcast though. So I, think I know. <laughs>
0: I would never. I would never do that. Imagine.
1: I would get it tattooed on me, to be honest.
0: <laughs> J. Cole,
1: Kendrick, and I just have a plaque of all the people following me. But then if they stopped following me, I'd have to get it removed. Maybe that's not yeah, a good plan. I'm,
0: yeah. I'm always like, is Jay Cole going to realize one day that he, like, followed me by accident and then he's going to unfollow me? I hope not.
1: It would be such a funny message if you messaged him going, hey, Jay, i <laughs> I'm a huge fan, but I just want to make sure you followed me on purpose and yeah, didn't did press you it. Just,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably won't send that message ever,
1: but yeah. Yeah. Although it would be a funny message to send. It would be. He'd remember that.
0: Especially, like, it's been over a year now, so. Oh. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think you're fine. It's not like it was, like, on (laughs) and then off immediately. That would be the worst.
0: Oh, yeah, that would be so bad. I'm already bragging about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you screenshot it. And then people go back.
0: Okay, here's a funny one. I can actually talk about that because he's not in hip hop. Mark Wahlberg did that twice.
1: Marky Mark.
0: But twice, (laughs) though. It's so confusing. I don't understand.
1: All right, Mark, come on, step up. So he literally followed you, then unfollowed you. Was it within a close space of time, the two?
0: like within so the first time I think he unfollowed me like within a day but the thing is so he followed me and then I saw that he watched my stories right and there was some some something about Trump in my story some and anti-Trump shit right because duh and then he unfollowed me. Like, I don't know if it was immediately after looking at the stories, but it was the same day he unfollowed me. So I, I was like, mm, OK, that's interesting. And then he followed me again like a year later or so. I'm guessing he had forgotten that he had followed me once and unfollowed me because I don't like Trump. And then he unfollowed me again, again, like a day later. I don't know. It's, it's very odd. Maybe he forgot and then he remembered. He was like, this is the chick that doesn't like Donald Trump, so I'm going to unfollow again.
1: Yeah. You're the one who's like, hey, this to all my friends, this is the chick that doesn't like Donald Trump from Germany. <laughs> this is the one I told you.
0: I accidentally followed her again. <laughs> or maybe he did it on purpose. He was like, I'm going to make you excited that I followed you and then I'm going to take it away.
1: To be honest, I, I'd love to think that I'm a better person than that, but also I know that I'd, I'd probably do it maybe once or twice.
0: That's very petty. It's very yeah. Petty.
1: I, like I said, I wish I could pretend that I'm a better person, but uh, I kinda, now that you mention it, it does sound really fun, like a little bit, because then they talk about it on a show like this, then I get more <laughs> attention. Yeah. So maybe that's his whole plan. Maybe he just goes around and he, he like, follows people so that they talk about him. Maybe that's his marketing campaign.
0: So you think I just helped push Mark Wahlberg, like, to to greater fame?
1: Potentially. Like he needs our help. Like he's going, "Mm, I really captured the Hip Hop Hustle podcast audience. That was one audience that I was missing. (laughs) And now I'm successful. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Mark, if you want to respond to those accusations, feel free to come on the show and let us know what you actually think. Um, Anyway, I feel like we could talk about Mark all day, but. um, Let's not. Let's Let's not talk about Mark Wahlberg all day. So tell me about the working with these artists who come to you for promotion. So. Like, what do you do for them? I've kind of, like, had a look at what you do. You help promo, you help put them in contact with people that you've made contacts with. Like, does it feel good knowing that, like, you've got legitimate names that are working with you as opposed to, like, just people on the comer?
0: I do at this point. Like, I have worked on promo campaigns for big mainstream artists um, and then also, like, artists that are very established on the underground. But at this at this point, I really mainly work with indie artists. Just because I found I don't really enjoy working with labels. I just don't enjoy that, you know, like the work process. So I don't. <laughs> so um, I mainly work with indie artists, but I also enjoy that a lot because. I always so when I started my business the the online promo thing also was still in infant stages um there wasn't a lot of uh, promo agencies that were doing that um so when I started doing that I felt like I want a different business model um because a lot of PR agencies, Uh, what they will do is offer an artist uh, to work their whole project, right? So you kind of get like a six-week promo run for your album release or whatever, which is great and it's very effective, but it's also very costly. So most artists who don't have the financial backing of a label or just have a bunch of money laying around will not be able to afford that. So what I wanted to do was to make it affordable for you know, regular indie in artists. Um, so that's why I started offering from the beginning, I offered um, artists to get once off promo basically. So for example, if you're dropping a video, then there are several options at different price points Um, that you can use to promote that one video, like depending on what your budget is. Um, And if you do want to promote an entire project, then we can do that. We can put together um, um, a package also according to your budget. And so when my reach got bigger, also with Instagram, because uh, Instagram now is also a big part of the promo I do, um, I still wanted to keep it accessible and affordable to indie artists because I feel like that's very important um, for them to be able to get quality work um, at an affordable price point. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. And I enjoy the flexibility of that also.
1: Yeah, I think it is cool that you went down the indie path as opposed to... You know the only big name clients. I feel like most people would just go down the big name route just because it would benefit them. So it is, it is good. And obviously, indie artists, especially these days, they're the they're the ones that are on the come up. They're the ones that are the next age and the next generation of artists. So um, I mean, the more help they can get in terms of obviously an affordability piece, the better it is for the industry.
0: Yeah, definitely
1: what is it that you don't like working with in terms of labels? Is it just the process? Like why, like what about the labels makes it more uh, frustrating? You have this look on the face, like you've got like three reasons that came straight to your head, but (laughs) do you have like, yeah, I'm interested.
0: No, it's just, I don't know. I think labels always have a very um, particular way of, how they want things done. And it's like, okay, here's the main thing for me, right? I could never see myself working, like having a boss ever again. Like I can't see myself ever not working for myself. And now if you work with a label, it feels the same way as working for a boss, working for somebody else. And I don't like that. That's really the main thing. I don't enjoy
1: that. <laughs> that is actually one thing I can definitely understand. I always tell people I, ha- I hate being told what to do. And my natural instinct, once you tell me to do something, is to do the opposite, just to show you <laughs> that you can't tell <laughs> me what don't. to do. It's not even that you're wrong. You may be right and it may be the best thing. But my natural instinct is like, no. I'm That's finished. why you
0: weren't yeah. on my space.
1: That's, see, so, see now you, you get out. me. I did miss out. <laughs> That's it's the stubbornness piece. But I think it's I think I think you're definitely right though, especially because labels, they have a huge presence and they obviously control the artist that that you're with in terms of they depending on obviously the deal, um, but they want to protect their asset and their investment as well. So I can understand on their end why they're so controlling because yeah. they're putting in so much money into a particular artist and they don't want, like, you know, a promo to be like, this is everything we worked to avoid and then all of a sudden it's gone. So I kind of get it from that end and and I get it from your end. I think at the end of the day we just got to do what works for ourselves. Exactly. Do you see, like, a future – like, what's the next step for you? Like, you've been doing your business for a long time. Um, It's obviously – successful but what's like the next step you said you get bored really easily so I'm sure you've got like a a next plan or a next phase in your mind already
0: no I mean the the beautiful thing with my work is that it's it it constantly changes right like the circumstances always change because the business always changes so yeah I've been doing this job for a very long time but the way my job is now is completely different from when I started So I don't really get bored with that. And the thing is, like, at the end of the day, it's also still it's a job. Right. So you can't expect to every day be like super stimulated and super excited doing this work. Um, And I don't expect that. So as far as my I look at it as my main job. As far as my main job goes, I'm fine with that. And I also think it's still going to keep changing, um, you know, with the industry. Um, So it never really gets boring, because you always have to figure out new ways, you always have to just go with, okay, which social media platform is big now, like all these things, like, Instagram is changing their algorithms again. How do we adapt? You know, um, so that doesn't get boring. But also what's very important for me is to have a creative outlet to balance out the work thing because I realized at some point that I don't want hip hop to ever just feel like work, like a job to me, right? Because the whole reason why I started working in hip-hop was to do what I love. And so at some point I realized I need a creative outlet that doesn't have any sort of restrictions or expectations where I can just freely create. And that balances me out. And that there have been different things throughout the years, but at this point now, since I started, it's been DJing for me. And so I think as far as future plans, I'm looking more at the DJing. Like I'm always going to do my my main work, I believe. Um, but the DJing is something where I still see so much potential to grow. And um, I'm very excited about that. So that's more of my focus um, as far as change goes.
1: Are you planning on like doing shows when you DJ, um, like what's the what's the go on that front?
0: What do you mean shows like, when
1: I DJ? Like are you going to do shows? Are you going to open for people? Like do you have plans on that type of front? Because I know you also make some mixes and you've got playlists on Spotify and so you've got everything on that front as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I play gigs regularly so – um I was just, so I spend about half the year in South Africa. So when it turns winter here, I leave and go to South Africa because then it's summer there. Um, And I play a lot of gigs there. I also have a couple of my own events that I'm doing there. Um, And then when I'm here in Berlin, I play gigs here. Um, I don't open up for people so much. Like I have done it. Um, like I opened up for Rod Digger, I opened up for Jizza. um, who else? Bahamadia. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I think my, what I really want to do is like DJ all over the world. That's kind of my dream. And, um, I'm going to be DJing in New York for, and in the U S for the first time in August. And I'm super excited about that. And, yeah, and then we see where it goes from there, really.
1: That's awesome. That I mean, you know, I feel like once you start conquering those those other places, it's just going to continue to take off. I mean, I'm, my oh, plan okay. is to move to the U.S. at some stage. Um, okay. So, oh, yeah. well, depends. Maybe L.A., San Fran, Austin. I don't know. I don't know what happens. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe New York. I really don't know. There's no real kind of plan, um, but early next year I'd like to make the move. I think my family is not thrilled by that idea, um, but, you know, it is what it is. You kind of just got to take the risk sometimes.
0: But have you been before?
1: Nope. I've only been to Hawaii.
0: I think you should should visit first and then make a decision.
1: See, this is where the stubbornness is like, I've already decided in my own head. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I've already decided. That's the thing. Like I know that I've I've already decided. And it's funny because when I was younger, like maybe 24, I think, 23, I wanted to move and I never did. And so now I'm like, yeah, I'm going to move there. So now it's just making it happen. That's, that's the... That's the hard part about being stubborn is like now that I've told people and this is why I bring it up on the podcast so it makes me not back out now that I've said it.
0: Otherwise, it would be very embarrassing. So now you have to do it.
1: Which is also not something I'm afraid of, but (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely want to do it. But um, I only have one more question for you. Uh, It's the only question that I plan on the podcast Um, and it's probably going to be the, the toughest question. But if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of? It can be any genre of music. It obviously cannot be your own music. What would it be?
0: For people to get an appreciation of what? Of that album?
1: Yeah. Do you think that everyone should listen to at least once?
0: Everyone.
1: Yeah.
0: Every single person.
1: Yeah. See, I know it's a tough question. I've asked this a lot, and it's not the best album. It's, like, the one that you think people should listen to, like the one that you wish everyone appreciated.
0: I mean, there's one that immediately comes to mind, but it's not hip-hop, so it feels kind of
1: Go (laughs) for it. I've had every answer under the sun.
0: Michael Jackson off the wall.
1: Michael Jackson it's, has been brought up before, I will say. People love my, MJ.
0: Yeah, and Off the Wall to me is a perfect album. It's just perfect.
1: What about it? Like what about it to you?
0: It's just so I f- I feel like Off the Wall is underrated, right, because Thriller came after that and everyone kind of puts Thriller over Off the Wall. But to me, Off the Wall is a lot better than Thriller. I mean, Thriller is great, but Off the Wall is even greater. And, I think for me personally like I can listen to Off The Wall at any time and it will always make me happy. It will always make me feel pure joy. And yeah, there's not that much music that will that will do that.
1: There you go. I mean, I mean you- there is
0: a lot of music that will do that, but an entire album of just songs that make you just feel Joyful and alive at any point. Like that album actually helped me during depression. So that's how good it is.
1: There you go. Doctors should prescribe it. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, prepare for a little bit of backlash because people do love thriller. I mean, so. (laughs)
0: That's fine. Yeah.
1: (laughs) You're ready for it. But. Um, obviously Vanya came through. I got the name right a second time. I, I've not even given you a chance to correct me. I'm just proclaiming <laughs> it. Um, I still love Istillloveher.de. Uh, obviously check her out. You can find her on Instagram. You can find her on Spotify. You've got your website as well. So if you are obviously an artist and interested in her services, you can check out what she does. But is there anything else you wanted to plug? Um, anything else you wanted to to kind of shout out before we finish up?
0: Um yeah, follow me on Insta, isolava.de and also um follow my DJ page, Vanilla Nice. It's with a W W A N I L L A Nice, Vanilla Nice. Um, you can check out my mixes in the bio there. They are very dope. I'm a very good DJ. So (laughs) um, and then you can stay up to date um and come to my gigs especially if you're in New York, you know? So I think people should do that.
1: (laughs) There you go. You heard it here first. Well, probably not first, but you heard it here as well. Uh, (laughs) And Why not follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast while you're at it? If you're listening to this, you probably already are. But um, as I said, I appreciate you coming through. Uh, We did it from Australia and from Germany talking about hip hop. I absolutely love it.
0: It was a pleasure to be here. I still think you missed out on MySpace, but it's okay.
1: I think if I go, if we ever invent time machines, I'll go back. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. the one thing that I'll do.
0: Yeah, it's your one regret <laughs> in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.